Well, hello and welcome to episode 176 of Tell Me Where to Turn. Still listed as bi-monthly, bi-curious, but this will be almost to the day, one month since we have released an episode. Just a lot of big things going on. Very big, which we'll cover in this episode. But before we get to that, I am at Tommy2 underscore zero on Twitter. You can find the show at Where to Turn Pod. You can find me at Glenn3 underscore 11. And you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. And I do want to apologize off the top to people that follow me on Twitter. It was the last time I signed into the Twitter account, I had 43 app mentions that had gone unread. And I apologize. Life does get in the way on occasion. And then I believe Justin criticized me because I tweeted at the Musers this week, and he said, well, you wasted your one tweet a year for that. But it does bug me because all week they've been doing this. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen the Saturday Night Live Joe Buck, Troy Aikman bit. Everybody's seen it. Literally, we're one minute in, and I've used the buzzword. On the opening kickoff of the Thursday night game, Joe Buck referenced it. I mean, on the opening kickoff. And then the Musers spent the whole week going, well, I can't believe Joe and Troy didn't one time mention the bit. He, <laughs> he said it as soon as he got on the air on the first opportunity he had at, since the episode aired. I almost fell out of my chair there. That's unbelievable. And, the, and nobody corrected up. them on this all week, so I felt like as a good, strong P1, I would take the opportunity to say, hey, now that I've heard you guys say this for like the eighth time, just so you know, they did in fact mention it and immediately get criticized by followers of this show. Like, what's that about? First, I support Justin. Second, is it possible that the musers or any hosts don't actually watch sports? I think it's very possible that... I do too. They, they aren't watching a whole... A whole lot. They're being, uh, they're catching highlights. They're being filled in. the The dirty intern that's making ninety five hundred dollars a year is giving them the uh, football game cliff notes, and they probably asked, "Hey, did this happen?" No, I didn't. I never heard anything. <laughs> and they just take it to air. You've heard George's opinions on almost anything. He's not paying attention. Well, I've always had that indictment of Corby. I don't even think. I don't even think he reads. He definitely doesn't read the news stories he does. He's learning about it as he's taking it to the air. <laughs> Corby does no work into the show at all. He just goes on there and vamps. And none of the three of us would ever do that. No. But back in the heyday of bad radio when it was Bob and Dan, I was always... I always felt like they put a lot of work into it. Like all their audio clips were always cut perfect. I don't know if it was them doing it or other people, but they had archives of everything. I always felt like they put the most work outside of actually being on air. And I always felt like Corby by far did the least. (laughs) I I, I feel like that is probably the most solid take Dave may have ever had in 176 (laughs) episodes. I can find no fault in that take. It's kind of his M.O. and his career, and look where it's gotten him. I mean, if I was in the same position, I'd be like, I'm not going to do more now. <laughs> you want me to start watching the games now? <laughs> Reading the stories? It's mean, ridiculous. An afternoon drive, yeah. So you don't put any work. You take the person that has the job you want, get them addicted to Vicodin, and then slowly weasel your way in. That's the, that's the career arc. It's just that opioids are so much harder to come by now. That's the only flaw, the 2021 flaw. If this was 15 years ago, I'd be CEO. Yeah, 2004, 2005, you'd be in. But now, Now you've got to do some actual work. You've got to find emails from 20 years ago (laughs) on your superiors. Man, I went through my Twitter feed and I deleted a few things. Nothing bad, though. Nothing, nothing that would get me canceled. But my general takeaway was, in 2010, I tweeted 
everything I was doing, and I have no idea why, because I didn't have, um, and still don't have any type of meaningful following, never got any interactions on them. There was no likes, there was no retweets, there was no replies. Yet for probably all of 2010, I tweeted more or less my every move. I mean, I would have tweets that were like, well, going to go to Chipotle and grab lunch. <laughs> I think 2010, I think, I mean, it wasn't obviously like the real early days of Twitter because Twitter had been around for a while, but I think it was coming into, it still wasn't as mainstream as it was, as it is now. So I think if you were on Twitter, you felt like a little bit more of the, hey, we're a cool little group here. I'm going to tweet a lot because it's Twitter. Oh, I but definitely, now, yeah. I definitely had those feelings. It's just now looking back. Now, are we going to look back in five years and go, why were we posting all these stupid dance video clips? Or is that going to stand the test of time? Hold on. Are you talking like... like Humanity, hero not nur- me. Hero nurses dancing? Yeah. Talking about TikTok? Yeah. Talking about people doing the helicopter dance and... <laughs> that may be a that's different a, website. That's that, that's Dick Doc. <laughs> we were all thinking it. You didn't have to say it. It's a faith-based show. You could have just left something to the imagination. But no, do, does that stand the test of time? No. It's the second helicopter <laughs> dance reference you've made today, too. Your family really is out of town. They are. And, and, and that's why I'm going to broach this subject in... If the woman who, as far as I know, still lives here, although she's not currently here, hears this part of the show, this could get me in thin ice, and I wasn't planning to go here, but the conversation just led us right there. It still has to deal with the social media standing the test of time topic. Former neighbor of ours, not anybody that I was more than just, hey, wave at them when I'm pulling in the driveway aware of, not, not anybody I was close with. The uh, the husband uh, passed away of COVID uh, yesterday. Uh, young guy, older than me, but not uh, probably mid forties. Not a lot of details about comorbidities, but the uh, the woman who cohabitates was social media friends with the wife, and she, the wife had been detailing the last month in in unbelievable detail of every twist and turn that this guy had um and it was you know very emotional and raw and my wife was was quite captivated by the story and they uh anyways bring the room down they finally made the decision to have to pull the plug because the guy had had gone into pneumonia and then it had a stroke and then it had a heart attack and was essentially brain dead and they decided to pull the plug well she posted on Facebook, you know, this agonizing decision to pull the plug with a picture of the guy laying dead in the bed on Facebook. And um, my wife called and she's very emotional and she you know, said, well, you know, I can't believe he died. And then she kind of stopped and she said, look, I know this is probably in poor taste, but do we really need a photo of that? She was like, I, I don't think the voting poll on Facebook was the way we needed to make that decision. Yeah. No, I don't think we need. I don't think we need dead bodies. No, but apparently that's not the only person doing that. Apparently that's quite common right now. You show somebody on a vent and be like, Hey, we had to had to go and switch the old uh, dial to the left here. I mean, you can't just do the, you know. I'll always love love you, never forget you. Tribute with the guy holding a fish or something. Yeah. You gotta. He's on. He's on his stomach and in a diaper with twelve hundred tubes in him. Right. Maybe a nice video of him doing the helicopter dance to remember him. <laughs> Just a strategically placed sensor. But that's why right like now a, pin, a pinwheel or something. Yeah. Like maybe like the uh, the little Apple like thinking wheel, you know. Loading wheel. I want to give you guys my last will and testament on the air. There's two things I want you to know. One, if I end up in ICU, I do not want any pictures posted of me intubated. And when I die, I definitely don't want any pictures of my dead body. And furthermore, if I die doing some type of fun activity, like if I die during a softball game, or 
if we're at Royal Rumble and I die in the middle of the main event, I do not want you guys to continue whatever you're doing because that's what I would have wanted. I want you to stop doing it and mourn my death. So do not use this as an excuse. You understand me? If I get hit with a line drive in the head and go down, I want the game to be canceled in my honor. I do not want it to continue because it's what I would have wanted. What if it's like the championship game and we're winning? It doesn't matter. Two outs away. I am telling you, I don't want anything to continue. And I don't want any photos of my death posted either. That's all I'm asking. Those are my two will and testaments. I'm saying this to you guys in a legally binding fashion so that you can adhere to this because I feel like one or both of you will most likely be present for my death. <laughs> so I want you to be in the know. That's all I'm asking. How, how about this? We won't post any pictures or anything like that. We'll follow all the rules you want. But, I mean... As we all know, you have to make a Facebook post about it. So what if we get a cameo from The Undertaker to announce to the world that you are resting in peace? Oh my god. This is an amazing idea. I think it costs like a thousand bucks well, to get him rich. to do one. You've got a thousand. You could come up with a thousand bucks. We're just oh, not going to give it? him a funeral. <laughs> yeah. In fact... Maybe you could split it with the fake Paul Bearer, and then you could pay 500 and Glenn could pay 500 and then Paul Bearer would never pay you his part. Hey. It's, uh, Against <laughs> all odds. <laughs> There's some case precedent for did that Bruce, cameos playing out that way. Did that Bruce Pritchard cameo ever get made right with you, Glenn? No. Somebody still owes me $28, <laughs> I think. What, what are we going to do? <laughs> It's been too long. It's not even worth bringing up. Well, I'll tell you somebody else who's not paying for something right now is me. Three weeks ago, coworkers approached me and they said, hey, we got this email from Topgolf, and on Monday nights, they're having a Topgolf league. Did you know such a thing existed, that there was a Topgolf league? I don't want to interrupt your story, but after this, I have Topgolf lead follow-up story. Oh, Okay. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll put that in the parking lot, as we say at work. We'll circle back. We'll round back. Okay. So these are this is a league of teams, or is this individual? So this is actually shockingly like a highly league. organized. It's a team okay. event. You can bring up to six golfers. You take the scores of the four highest. They pick three of their top golf games that everybody has to play that week. So, for instance, this Monday night, we did Top Chip, which is the... Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar. I don't have to explain what it is. It's the short game. And then we did the um, Top Golf, which is basically where you can hammer at any target you want. You just get more points the farther they are away. And then we did one that's called the Quick Nine, where it just tells you nine things to aim at. And you have to take nine shots in a row, and you, you have to aim at the nine things it tells you to. Uh, and it gives you very high scores if you hit them, because it's, you're basically doing it on command. You, yeah, so you, you, bring your, you can bring four to six. You take the scores of your top four, so it's obviously advantageous to bring six. And there is a – I think it, the league runs for perhaps six weeks. There's an entry fee that's r relatively uh, appealing if you divide it by six people or even by four. Uh, and then they, of course, make their money because they do serve beer there. Mm. In fact, they even have the bucket of beer there, which – we dipped into multiple times, which caused me to not be able to drive home exactly when I had intended, because there was nobody there to tell me where to turn. <laughs> but here's where the, uh, oh, my computer's verifying Microsoft PowerPoint right now, so that's, that's, I'll give you an update on how that's going. That's exciting. Yeah, that's, that's big news. But here's where it gets interesting. So the, uh, the guy that got the email from Topgolf he sat on the email for four weeks and then told everybody at work the Monday night the league was starting, which was also two weeks after the registration deadline had passed. And his idea was, well, hey, the six of us will just show up and surely they'll let us in the league because we're there. Even though we haven't obeyed any of the rules set forth in the email, they'll clearly let us in. And for the most part, he was right. We took a little bit of smooth talking, but they assigned us a bay. They gave us... A uh, 
team name. We got the scoring sheet, and they said, well, we'll send you an email later next week, uh, and you can send us the payment, because they wouldn't take payment on site. It had to be handled through the website. We actually tried to pay for the league. It's like, I think it was like $499 for six weeks. So, you know, it works out to 80 bucks a person-ish. So, we go back for week two, and they don't have our team in the system. And then the guy remembers us. He's like, oh, yeah, hold on. I'll put you in right now. I'll send you that email next week. Well, guess what? We've now golfed four times. We're <laughs> in second place in the standings. We still haven't paid. <laughs> We are golfing for free. We are top golfing for free at this point. Is there prize money? There is yeah. prize money. I'm glad you asked that. So we are in line right now to win prize money without having paid the entry fee. That's an advantage if, play. If that's when they that's when they catch all this. But only if you if you place cuz now 4 weeks in, there's a chance it's been so long. Oh, we've mentioned it, it we mentioned it the first three weeks. We did not mention it this week. We just walked in, said okay. our team name, and went to our bay. This Good guy test. has had ample opportunity. And we, the working theory is he doesn't understand how to use his computer. That's why he doesn't want to take payment there. And, and I don't think he understands the, uh, how to send a hyperlink or maybe how to send an email. And <laughs> Well, there's a guy who doesn't have a job that I know. He knows how to send one. Maybe you can get him in there. Oh, that's true. But the question is, well, actually, I would actually welcome emails like that. What am I talking about? <laughs> I feel like your Twitter account would get you canceled, like, probably within the last week. You're talking to me? Yeah, you. What did I do? <laughs> do I need to go back and start? Maybe that'll be something, an assignment for next episode is I'll go through your timeline. I don't do anything. It's offensive. My guess would be that what got Mike Bassick canceled, you've done 30 tweets worse than that. <laughs> there is no... Okay, this is good. There no, this is, is no This way. is going to be the assignment for the show. I'm going to find 30... You can't go in and edit your timeline. I will find 30 of your tweets that are worse than the Mike Bassick tweet. <laughs> That's impossible. It's not impossible. And I bet idea. I won't even have to go back a year. Okay. Very highly subjective. I protest this, but I, it's a free country. Is it? That well, I guess. Well, it depends. The Gestapo's not knocking at your door. No. With printouts of your They're, tweets. Uh, are they monitoring all of our bank transactions now? That's the. I still haven't found anyone on any side of the far left or far right scale that is okay with that. Right. It's I'm fine bananas. with it. I don't think I've ever made a deposit larger than $600. So I'm fine. I'm a man of meager means. Boy, that's the biggest lie. Do you want me to help your top golf team? Oh, yeah. You've got your story, too. So, a uh, buddy of mine here, when Top Golf first opened in Austin, they did a, they did a league. And I don't know if. The way I understand it, I think it was only the whatever top golf game is, where you can it's pick your own target, but the further out are higher scores. And this guy's a good golfer, but he and his buddy, it was two man leagues. They they went and figured out if you just putted it with a putter off, you could essentially took some practice, took an hour or so to get dialed in. But you could dead center that close, the very close one, and you could dead center it every single time once you got the hang of it. And they went there, and they did that, and they won the whole league, much to the anger of everyone else in it. With a putter. They, they never hit it at a different target. They only used the putter. And then he said, like, I think it was only four weeks. He said, like, week three... A bunch of other teams started to try to copy him, but he said there is a learning curve, and they like tried it for half the session and couldn't get the hang of it. But wouldn't they... all the other balls on the ground mess up that strategy? Because their balls collect in front of all the targets. No, you're on the second floor. You're you're dropping it in. Oh, you're basketball shot. Okay, because we were we were competing from the ground level. 
No, which made it very is... difficult to roll anything into any target. No, this is upper level. So this is like skee ball. Like they're slam dunking it. Yes. Ah, I thought they were putting and ramping it up the uh, lift. No. Oh, no. so they're slam dunking these. Yes. I'm intrigued. They're jarring it, if you will. <laughs> we don't jar on this show. Oh, okay. It's a jarring strategy. Yeah. Hey, so quick aside, Glenn's shirt made me think of this. I was uh, going through my wrestling shirts today, putting some clothes away, and with our upcoming trip to the Royal Rumble, got me inspired to be like, I wonder what shirts I should wear. I think I may have the Madden curse of buying wrestler t-shirts. You just have a bunch of AEW shirts, right? That's all you need. 15 t-shirts and i think 11 of them are no longer on the roster and they're all elite you buy you buy shirts from the right guy no well, i mean i've got a matt hardy shirt he's all elite yeah the fiend is all unemployed he'll be all elite with it before before the royal rumble he'll be all elite and i'm not sure how we classify velveteen dream at this point but well, i I cut the sleeves off that one and I wear it to the gym. I haven't got any response yet, but I'm just waiting for somebody to. <laughs> that's how I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> Somebody's going to take a picture and be like, "This guy openly endorses a... pedophilia." <laughs> that's that's alleged and unproven, sir. That's a bold. That's a bold strategy. I. It's a comfortable shirt. Speaking of though, while we're on the topic, are you still watching AEW? Yeah, no, I haven't. Obviously, it's Wednesday right now, so I'm not. I've not watched this week's Dynamite yet, but I will probably turn it on when this recording session is over. I don't think it's on tonight. I think it got preempted by hockey. Oh, that's right, because the NHL's on TNT. That's right. So yeah, then I'm good. I'm caught up. I'm live action. Well, you're one of the few people still watching it. Hmm. Have you seen what happened? I, I guess spiked, I haven't, no. They spiked 1.2 million viewers on Punk's debut. And everyone's like, to the moon, we got it. We're going. And it went 800,000, 600,000, 500,000, 500,000. They're right back where they were. Nah, this is just the refractory period. We'll be there. <laughs> For the second push. <laughs> the second push. One last note on The Fiend before we move off of him. I had lunch with a guy at work today that um, I'm I'm trying to be more of a man of the people guy that I haven't really had lunch with before. Just trying to, you know, branch out and meet people. And I said, hey, tell me about yourself. And he said, well, you know, I'm married and uh, my wife's a uh, counselor and we have one son and his name is Bray. It's like, well, you don't run into a lot of Brays, but I know one. And he was part of a family. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking speaking of pictures that didn't get posted on social media. All right, we ready to get into this, boys? Let's do it. All right. The cat's making a strange noise back here. I hope she's all right. There's nobody else here to take care of her if I have to go do mouth to mouth. (laughs) Be sure to post a picture before you do. Mm. And then, and then, when she doesn't make it afterwards, <laughs> get that one on there too. Mm. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> Dave and I decided a long time ago that this fall was going to be the time for us to do the dock them together, full Eiffel Tower, take everybody to Disney World trip, and Dave and I being men of high intelligence and high moral character, we spent some time picking the ideal time to go to Disney World. We, there's websites where you can look at crowd levels. And, you know, the, the worst thing to ruin your Disney experience, well, the worst would be diarrhea, but the second <laughs> would be unbelievable crowds. So we found this website that said, hey, if you go right before all the school districts start to go on their fall breaks, the crowds are lower. Like, that is the ideal time to go because most normal people wouldn't pull their kids out of school for four or five days right before they get four or five days off for fall break. 
And then right when the fall breaks start, which was pr- basically two weeks ago, the crowds go off the charts for the rest of the month of October. So we locked in our trip. We put down our deposits. We're feeling good. And then somebody points out, hey, guys, did you realize that October 1st, 2021 is the 50th anniversary of Disney World? And every slapdick Disney... (laughs) We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Disney person in the world that could legally travel into the United States was going to descend upon Disney World while we were there. These are the adult fans. These are not kids. My gosh. The adult fan with the tattoos and the costumes. And let me tell you, none of them are with the people of the opposite (laughs) sex. They're not To clarify, tattoos of like Mickey Mouse ears. Oh, yeah. That's general tattoos. No, they don't have like cool like Goldberg (laughs) tattoos or they don't have the Aleister Black going on. No, they have Mickey Mouse ears on their calf. In their mail. And we support that. We support being male. We do. We support being 27. They're all part of the the Balor Club. (laughs) But what was funny is the day itself, and and there's, if you go back and look, I mean, I, I don't know why you would, but if you go on, you know, Instagram or Twitter and Google or, or search, Magic Kingdom, October 1st, 2021. Like, you'll see the most insane videos of just people crushed everywhere. Well, we we went to Epcot on the 1st because we were told that would not be as crowded. And for the most part, it actually worked out pretty good. The hilarious part was, other than us, I would estimate that 75% of the people in the park that day were only there to get in line to be the first to buy... 50th anniversary merchandise. They weren't actually there to ride the rides. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. There was lines wrapped around the buildings to get into the gift shops. And then to get on the roller coasters, uh, five-minute wait. It was, it was insanity. And I assume this stuff wasn't being sold online? Apparently like not. You had to Apparently be there? you must be present to win. Okay. But, I mean, I'm sure they looked into that. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, these, these were people that this was their pilgrimage to be there on the 50th. And, uh, and nothing was going to stop them. Not even morbid obesity. Lack of... There's a lot of that. Yeah, lack of general malaise. Lack of exposure to the sun. Uh, boy, I saw some sunburned people, man. Whew. <laughs> Tough times. But... That is just that is just an overview. Let's let's take a step back. We did the controversial six full days in the park. Does that sound intense to you? Six full days with kids in the park. No, we uh, when we went to Disneyland, we did we did half that. We did three, and we were there from I guess it opens at like eight or nine in the morning. And then I think closes at 10. So we were there from open to close those three days, but we didn't do six. Yeah, six days. And it was about 90 degrees every day. So it wasn't oppressive, but I mean, it was definitely, you definitely felt the heat. You know, it it, it took something out of you. But I mean, we were there, we were going to go hard. And our trip even started more wheels off than Dave's because Southwest Airlines, based here, best here, has this really annoying habit, and we, we experienced this uh, when we went to the Circuit of the Americas, of rebooking your flight about two or three weeks before you're to depart to something totally different than what you had originally asked for. And in the case of our Disney trip, we'd originally planned to arrive around the time the, uh, the point breaks were going to arrive. And Southwest rebooked us for a flight that was departing Nashville before 7 a.m., now, luckily, it was still a nonstop because our flight back, they booked as a, from a nonstop to a connecting flight. But you got to realize when you're talking about, you know, stroller, suitcases, check bags, kids, we're looking at getting up at, in like the four o'clock hour to make this happen because we live 45 minutes from the airport. So we started, you know, we started that trip being up and at them at 4 a.m., we landed in Orlando. We got on the Disney Magic Express shuttle. 
We left our bags at the hotel and went straight to the park. No stopping. Just YOLO. And that and that yeah, and that is pure adrenaline. That is how we started the trip. So we didn't get up nearly as early, but our leaving for the trip had somewhat of a humorous start as well. So like Tommy mentioned, we're obviously both sets of uh we're great parents. So we're going to pull our kids out of school and just take them to Disney World cuz why not? But we did discover that the school my children attend take attendance at 9 a.m. So essentially if they're there till 9 a.m., that counts. And our flight was at 11. So we took them to school that morning. We pulled them out at 9 a.m. We hit hit three digits on the speedometer, get into the airport. <laughs> Unbelievable. Got on. And we start didn't get the uh, voicemail saying they were truant till the next day. We got one free day. I really wish I would have thought of that. That is genius. But it's not surprising that Dave, somebody who gambles at an advantage, would know something like that. But I'm impressed. Always. So... Glenn, I don't know how familiar you are with the Disney resorts, but we were staying at what was known as the Caribbean Beach. Certainly not the nicest resort, but it was serviceable, had a great pool. It's comprised of little blocks of, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's two stories, but little blocks of maybe 40 or 50 rooms. And then it, these blocks of rooms go in a circular pattern around this man-made lake. And each block of rooms is named after a different Caribbean island. So, you know, there's Jamaica and Barbados, and I believe we were at Martinique. Yes. I did comment to Dave. The problem is we had to wear masks when we were inside, so sometimes you would say things louder than you intended. (laughs) But I did say, wouldn't it be funny if they had, like, a real crappy one, like, kind of off to the side called Haiti? But, I mean, it would be funny, though, right? I mean, I'm not totally off base here. You have to wear, like, a 2011 Texas Rangers World Series Champs t-shirts. Yeah, and then assassinate somebody every other day. Yeah, it's it's pretty standard. <coughs> yeah, we could probably stop there. So, that yeah, that first day was great. Um, we stayed till the end, till the fireworks shot off, because we did find out that for the 50th, they changed the fireworks show. So, we actually arrived, I believe, on the 29th. So we got to see the old fireworks show, and then fast forward a few days, we got to see the new. But it was really that night when Dave pulled his first classic Point Break Dave move of the trip. And Glenn, you'll appreciate this because you've traveled extensively with Dave. (laughs) So we we get caught in the crush of humanity, leaving the fireworks show at Magic Kingdom. And our resort was equipped with what's known as the Sky Rider, which is a... Um, gondola cable system that'll take you to Hollywood Studios and Epcot. And we had Hollywood Studios on the agenda for day two. And we also had learned that we were allowed to enter the park early. It's always good to ask permission before you enter early, but um, we did. And we found out we had it. Why are you shaking your head? I'm just making salient points here. You do not need to shake your head at everything I say. That's, uh, you're not encouraging me to participate in this podcast <laughs> I just want you to know hey, that. go ahead so Dave and I exchanged text messages from the hotel room that night and I said hey let's meet up at 745 to head over to the Skyrider fast forward to next morning 715 this, I get a text from Dave already I'm so at the Skyrider where are you <laughs> this is so incredibly inaccurate. <laughs> he wanted to be want... there before the dark no, batches. No, here's the real story. <laughs> we were going to meet at the Skyrider, and this is family driven. This is not me driven. At 7:45, we're there at 7:45. No Tommy, no Tommy family. Wait. I don't know, five, ten minutes. This is all a lie. Me- Just message, Everything he's saying is a lie. Message the Tommy fi- family. Mrs. Tommy replies back, oh, we're still at the room getting stuff together. In which point we said, hey, you know what? Take your time. We're going to go ahead and go. 
715. That's the gross exaggeration. I will produce screenshots that vindicate me on this. And they will Please be tweeted. Do. They will be tweeted to the show account. So Please if do. you're listening to this Friday, Tommy2 underscore zero will come out of Twitter hibernation and fully vindicate himself on this matter. I can't wait. Well, once we all figured out how to get to the park, some of us by ourselves because we were abandoned by our traveling party. We head to Hollywood Studios. We get in the gate before steerage because we're rich and we're staying at a Disney resort. Let's be honest. If people tell you money doesn't get you places in the world, they're lying because it does. And in this case, it got us in the park 30 minutes early. Are you aware, Glenn, of what the attraction at Hollywood Studios is? Um, Star Wars. That is correct. Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Do you know who's never watched anything related to Star Wars? Does that go for both of y'all? No, I don't believe so. It doesn't, right, Dave? No, I think I've probably, in bits and pieces, seen all the original three. So that would be four, five, and six. Uh, But it's been a really... (laughs) Such a confusing statement, like, I'm, but I'm we understand already, what you're saying. I've already glossed over. But I, I'm in no way, like, I've seen them once. And then in preparation for this trip, um, we were told that the last three, the quote-unquote Disney three, were, you know, they were fine for younger kids, which we have. Uh, and they were very excited about going to Star Wars rides in Disney World. So we watched the last three over the last two months. And you know what? No problems. They were fine. Pretty solid. They were pretty good little movies. So there, there's a controversial take from Dave. Star Wars is okay. <laughs> never would have never would have thought. So it's good, huh? Unbelievable. Well, uh, the last three, I I've never seen the first three. So. Eh, you're not missing a whole lot. Unbelievable. Okay, so my wife let let it be known that no matter the fact that I don't care about Star Wars, that this was the seminal thing to do at Disney World, and we were going to see, or we were going to participate in Rise of the Resistance, which another great um, bit of timing for our trip, the day before they had canceled the virtual queue and now only accepted just general line boarding for the ride, so... From the inception of the ride until the day before we arrived, you would have to get on the app. At 7 o'clock, you would reserve a time, and apparently it sold out in a matter of seconds, and then they would tell you a range of 30 minutes to come back and ride the ride. For reasons unknown, well, unknown at the time, now very well known, they stopped (laughs) doing this. Do you know why they stopped doing this? The John Gruden emails? (laughs) Close because I would uh, I would guess the act that Disney does to you on a regular basis. John Gruden probably referenced in his emails very crudely, many many times. But Disney does not miss any chance to extract money from you, whether it be a uh, nineteen dollar margarita or a ten dollar peanut butter sandwich. They will figure out a way to extract money, and what they are going to do is starting in November to enhance the guest experience they're going to allow people to pay cash to cut the line but it's not like a fast pass it's per ride and it's also based on conditions at the time so basically they have surge pricing so a park that it's already like, costs like the you, tollway yeah like a, a, it's like the express lane but it's, so a park that already cost you nearly $200 a ticket to get in you're going to show up for Rise of the Resistance. They're going to be like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in line. That'll be 25 bucks to get to the front per person. So, yeah, you want to get your family of four in there? That'll be an extra 100 And they're going to do that for all the major attractions. That, uh, not, a, not a big fan. No, I'm not a big not fan a big of, fan that of that either. And they've branded it. They've given it some kind of, I can't remember now, they've given it some kind of goofy name to let people know, you know, how they've enhanced the experience. It's 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 preposterous. <laughs> it's grand larceny. Yes, is that what they called it. Well, they call it something that I again I said John Gruden probably referred to a lot, but 
it is yes it is a very unnatural act that the Lord would not <laughs> smile upon we caught the weird grace period where they've canceled the virtual queue but they haven't started this enhanced experience yet so we get in the line for Rise of the Resistance and we have no frame of reference for where this line is all going to snake to but it doesn't look good and we think this is probably as good as it's going to get because we're still in the park early before the regular people have gotten in and we went straight there we made the beeline of course Dave's ahead of us in line because um, he lied about what time he wanted to meet which will be proven Friday on Twitter we waited in this line. Now, I will give Disney a little bit of a break because the ride did break down at one point. We waited in this line to do this ride for just over three hours. So that is how we started our second day at Disney. A three-hour wait in line. How long is the ride? The ride was probably, in total, 20 minutes. But it, it's, okay. it's okay. hard to explain, and I, I mean, I, I don't think there's spoiler alerts on rides, but basically there's a portion of the ride where you're walking, there's a portion of the ride where you're being um, detained, it's kind of like this immersive experience, and then there's a part of the ride where you're actually on a ride. So I think when the, when the, um, the showmanship starts is probably 20 minutes in total. The ride itself is probably just five or six minutes, I would say. Maybe you should have got to the park earlier. Yeah, if only we had a plan to do that. That would have been great. <coughs> now, Dave actually got really lucky. I think, he, I think he, I would consider this getting lucky because he was on the ride when it actually broke. Yeah, so we got to experience probably 75 to 80% of the ride, and then it broke, and wait there for a little while, then... You know, the workers come out and escort you off, and then you get to the end, and they're like, hey, here's a, we have, they, they're called, uh, what are they called? Magic bands. They're essentially little wristbands that your, like, hotel room key, your credit card, all your stuff is attached to it. So you get off the ride, and they scan it, and they're like, now you have a fast pass to just get back on this ride whenever you want. And since, as Tommy pointed out, they weren't really doing fast passes, like, there was no line. Like, you just walk up there and you're like, hey, scan this, and they're like, you go straight to the ride. So we got to ride it essentially almost two times, and we I think we waited in line probably maybe an hour to get on there the first time and then just walked on the second time. So Three hours, that is... That is rough. I do want to clarify one thing, though, because I think Tommy is painting a very grim picture. Really, I mean, he had a bad experience there because the ride broke a few times. Um, But every five of the six days, they were super light on crowds, at least in the parks we chose to go to that day. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I I, I think I probably did because just of the, the hilarity of booking over the 50th. But in general, our plan worked perfectly and very rarely had to wait an inconvenient amount of time. I mean, pretty much we're able to do what we wanted at will. So, no, I think, again, pro tip, this was the right time of year to go. And also, there was some strategy into what days we went to what parks, and I think that strategy also played out perfectly because the great thing about this Star Wars magnet that's attracting everybody is everything else in Hollywood Studios we did essentially with zero weight. I mean, Tower of Terror, the Aerosmith roller coaster, the Toy Story ride. I mean, it was like we did it. Oh, hey, let's do it again. Okay, we'll just do it again. It was it was great. You know, other than this other than this one big uh you know this kind of one big glaring thing which is Star Wars. But that being said, I'm glad we did it. I mean, I don't I don't know that it, you know, 3 hour wait would have been in the plan but it, it was it was really cool and i haven't seen star wars and i will even admit i was getting into it so no no complaints at all and i would assume because and i, I don't know if you've seen it or not in person glenn but you know they have a whole wing of the park that's themed out as star wars so they have the what is it called the millennium falcon like full size and they've got you know the 
every little detail because Disney's so good on the details. What was the deal with that? We went to this bar that that was based on something, but I don't know. Was it the Most Isley Tavern? Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. It have the band in the there. the name of it, but I think that's what it was supposed to be based on. Yeah, but there was yeah. a band in there, and then all kinds of gimmicks, like everything was glowing or fizzing or smoking, and Dave was just pounding them in there, man. $20 a pop. He didn't care. So we go, we go to this thing, and like pretty much every place worth eating at, you had to make reservations. So Mrs. Mrs. Dave and Mrs. Tommy were working with a Disney planner. And on this day, we were having lunch, I don't know, at one of the places at like one thirty or something. But they're like, well, you also got to go to the Star Wars bar because it's cool. So we were supposed to go over there at like noon to have a, you know, just essentially just have drinks, no food. So me and my wife each get a drink, the... Our two kids get obviously non-alcoholic drinks, so obviously two two cocktails, two kids' drinks as our you know right before lunch little duck in hundred and eight dollars. Good lord! And then we went to lunch. It was like three twenty-five. Yeah, the the lunch I had the uh, cousin Eddie oh god moment. <laughs> When they handed us the check and it, it was a three was the first digit. They do some sneaky so, stuff with the food, though. Now, first of all, the food's good because we went to the nice. We went to the sit down waiter restaurant, so you don't have to go there. Like you could go get the chicken chicken finger basket. I mean, they're still going to charge you probably 18 bucks for it. But we went to the places that you got a waiter and what they do at a lot of these places, which is equal parts genius because they extract money and also annoying is they put you on a pre-fee menu, which is basically, okay, well, you know, like, for instance, we ate dinner at the Beast's Castle. And it was like, hey, adults are 82 bucks and kids are 62 bucks, And that's the price. Well, the problem is I've got one kid that's an extraordinarily picky eater, and I would never have ordered her a meal at a restaurant. I, you know, like, when we take her to a nice restaurant, we just let her have bread and maybe something off somebody else's plate because she doesn't eat. So now I'm sitting there watching her not eat a $62 plate of grilled <laughs> salmon. And I'm like, how, like, in what world is this, is this possible? Oh, yeah, and you know that Coke that they wanted to drink? Well, that's another 9 bucks. It didn't. It's not included in the price. Did you do any of the, any of the restaurants where the, the wait staff, or the, maybe not the wait staff or the characters, but they have the Disney characters that come around and talk to the kids and you spend $35 on a hot dog. They've we ruined did. that experience. Go ahead, Dave. Well, due to due to uh COVID, like they didn't have any of the character interaction cuz I took the family 2 years ago and I mean everything, every meal we had was the characters coming over, you know, sitting at your table for a second signing the kids little books and you know everywhere you went in the park is oh go get your picture made hugging the princess none of that none None of that that. like even at the the beast castle which was and a few other places we had characters but it's like they walked around and waved you know they never got within 10 feet of anyone yeah it was this strange thing where they would announce the beast is going to welcome you to his castle. Please stay in your seat, <laughs> you know, because they can't have anybody, I guess, because of COVID. They can't have anybody near the beast. So he just, yeah, he makes a lap, stops, waves with both hands, and then you can maybe get like a weird depth perception photo if you're lucky. Or otherwise you're like, man, did they lower the price because of this? Nope, they didn't. At the... Uh, in- this is one of those where, you know, they all got their bits, right? So when we were having dinner at the Beast Castle, like our waitress, you know, came by and took orders and whatever. And, you know, I'm sure it's like every whatever 20 minutes on the hour. And she tells our kids that the, you know, the Beast is about to come out. But the way she says it is, oh, and, and get ready because in five minutes my boss is coming out here. 
because you're in his castle. But when she said, my boss, oh, okay. I was like, I think he died like 60 years ago. <laughs> Are you talking about Walt? Are you going to bring out his frozen head to talk to the you kids? Think it was fortunate that he died when he did, so he didn't get canceled later. He didn't have emails in a, a Redskins investigation. Can you imagine if he'd have had the Matt Lauer button in his office? What would y'all have done if if they would have said, hey, the beast is coming out, but keep 10 feet, and you guys are like, oh, God, just rolling your eyes. And then all of a sudden, Brock Lesnar's <laughs> music hits, and the kids are all just deathly afraid. That would have been amazing. It would have enhanced. It would have enhanced he the does, experience. He does the same bit too. He comes out, looks at everybody, and then just the big scream. Tommy and I basically fully designed a WWE themed theme park while we were standing in line for rides. They need to build this. There was a lot of, a lot of great ideas. Well, I don't want to. I mean, I don't think we need to necessarily belabor the trip day by day but i did want to go through and just give a couple of highlights and lowlights from rides for those <laughs> excuse me <coughs> getting emotional even thinking about it those um <laughs> for those listening <coughs> i think my f- i i'll go top three rides my i think my favorite ride was the avatar ride and it was actually at the disney animal kingdom but you know, Dizzy's played around with this idea of probably for a decade now. You know, I think Soren might have been the first one of these kind of where they take the the kind of that omni theater experience, but then they add in movement. But the Avatar ride just takes it to a whole new level. I mean, unbelievable definition on the screen, and then they add in um, some different synths, and they add in some like spray of water while you're you know you're you're moving on this. Um, this creature that you're you're seated on and, and just the the whole experience in the way the ride plays out is, is unlike anything I've ever done it, it had to be the the coolest ride and we were really lucky because of Dave's brilliance we got to the park one night right as they were closing we were able to ride it several times in a row without waiting because it's usually a you know another one that's a, a really deep wait but I think that I was probably my favorite I really enjoyed the Aerosmith roller coaster, as corny as that sounds, but it was a it was a uh, unexpectedly fun thrill ride in a park that doesn't have a ton of them. And then, um, you know, I loved the test track. I'm a car guy. That was fun. And then, you know, honorable mention to the Star Wars ride just because of the epicness of it. You'll also, I would agree. I mean, Avatar was the one from when we went two years ago that when we got there, I was telling Tommy, I was like, man we got to hit this one a few times because you're going to like it. Um, I'll also say, I mean, the Star Wars ride, uh, Rise, of, <clears throat> Rise of the Resistance, very good. Another one that Tommy and I had a lot of fun with was in Toy Story Land. There's a ride called Toy Story Mania. And oh, essentially what it is, is you put on uh, glasses. I mean, I guess they're kind of 3D, but it's essentially a augmented reality ride that's made up of like six individual carnival games right so you're on this little moving car and you have a uh, like a gun a cannon a small cannon that shoots but it doesn't really shoot but when you have the glasses on it's shooting paintballs right you're at the the carnival game and you're trying to hit targets so we ride it and of course i'm with one of my kids tommy's with one of his but what's cool about it is it has a little screen in your car and it keeps score. And it shows you at the end, like, how... So we get to the end, and I think I had, like... We were both right around 100,000 points. And Tommy and I get off, and we're like, what'd you get, what'd you get? All right, so we loop around, we do it again, and we both got, like, I don't know, like 120,000. So then we get in line again for the third time, but this time we actually had to wait in line... <laughs> And my wife was telling me, she's like, yeah, you were on one end and Tommy was on the other end of our little group and neither of you were talking. You're just kind of staring at your phones. Well, we both independently are looking up tips on how to high score this game, (laughs) not talking to each other. Then we get 
we both do it, and like I'm taking pictures of my screen when I get off to prove that I got a hundred and eighty thousand. And I was like, "What'd you get?" And he did the same, like you know, around the same thing. And we both laugh. And we're like, "Man, do you do you look up cheats on it too?" And he's like, "Yeah, there sure is it. ample material on YouTube. People have cracked the code on this ride. It's genius." But I think yeah. low, I think low lights for me. Man, and, and unfortunately, they're all going to be in the Magic Kingdom, which is a tough one. That's supposed to be that's supposed to be the go-to place. Well, we waited um, an odd amount of time because we didn't wait on a lot of rides for the Jungle Cruise, and I think the popularity because of the Rock movie. That ride is terrible. Um, they've taken out all the racist elements recently. Finally. <laughs> So they've really sanitized it, and nothing happens. It's just it's just a little boat trip around, and we waited so long, and my kids were like, even my kids were like, that was it. Like, there was no excitement. There was no close calls. And it was like looking at the oldest, most out-of-date, you know, I guess cutting-edge animatronics from the 60s. It was terrible. Um, yeah. The other two for me was the Peter Pan ride, was another one where just the, the, the length of ride versus time in line was just way out of whack and nothing happens in it. It's very short. You just you get on the little car and you just make basically one little loop and it's over. And then Disney has a problem. Oh go ahead. Oh no, no, no. I was gonna say three. and then my my uh you know, on the podium in the Lewis Hamilton position was it's a small world because that ride is low key really long. And, you know, you kind of have to do it, but it's very repetitive, and it's very long. And my son was getting mad that we were going on there because he's more of a thrill seeker. So he started his little stopwatch when the ride started. It clocked in at 19 minutes. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, and if you're a 10-year-old that wants to ride a roller coaster, Space Mountain, that's an eternity. It's an eternity for anybody. But what a, yeah. Yeah, what a nightmare. There's also some weirdness with that ride, looking at how things are viewed present day of, is this, like, depicting other cultures as they are, or just using every stereotype Yeah, or how imaginable? Americans think they are, right? <laughs> it's very accurate. But yeah, That ride I'll will be this. canceled within two years. You've heard it here first. I agree with all those. The only other low light which was just due to it being closed, was the Indiana Jones stunt show was closed. Oh, break my Which heart. is a ride, or a ride, a, a show that definitely was a big fan of. Um, but just to sum that up, like the Little Mermaid, the Peter Pan ride, Small World, I think Disney's Disney World is at a weird point where the the rides like that are just so bad and dated compared to their new stuff. Like, it's really shocking when you, you know, go from Star Wars to that. But I think they all have, like, enormous lines just due to nostalgia. You know, it's like, oh, I rode yeah. this when I was a kid. And I don't... That's exactly what it is. I don't know is. if, like, would people... Would there be a problem if they changed it? If they tried to modernize it? Would people revolt against that but yeah it's when you go from the modern rides to those you're like what is this you have to think that's <laughs> what it is that they that there's some degree of nostalgia that they're just not going to get away from because yeah using that logic i mean there's whole sections of the park that could be modernized and probably made way better but i don't think it ever happens another odd thing glenn was when we went, I guess it was like the third day of the trip, was the first, the grand opening of the Ratatouille ride. <laughs> Which seemed odd because that movie came out 15 some years ago. And it's right. just now become in vogue, apparently. Very strange. But there was the, Tommy mentioned the people waiting in line for the 50th anniversary. Like, there were lines to get the Ratatouille ride shirts like because it was the first day like like people 100 deep standing in line to buy a ratatouille ride t-shirt 
who who right, are and then these what do you people? do with the shirt? I mean, is that like getting you laid or something? Well, did you see? And I saw more than one of them. This guy, like grown adult male, wearing a T-shirt that just real aggressively said, "His name is Remy, not Ratatouille," because I guess the mouse's name is Remy. Oh, well, you gotta get your and facts I was just straight. Like, I guess so. It's like it's a very controversial topic. We're all everybody's talking about it. Well, so I'm going to buy that shirt, cut the sleeves off, and wear it to the gym. Just challenge people <laughs> to say something to me. Head of the table. All right. Well, I'll land the plane with one final story because this is a great way. This is and this is kind of how our trip ended, and this is a, this is a great way to end the in the show. So the the last day we were in the park, I believe, was a Monday, and that was the Monday of the week that I think Florida's fall break started, and it was ridiculous. Like, so, yeah. so you know, Dave mentioned five of the six days were great. This was the day when we walked in, and immediately we could tell, like, uh oh, something's different. And we uh, we we hung in there through our expensive lunch at the Brown Derby, and and the, you know we we kind of looked at the the app, and and every ride was sixty minutes or higher wait time. And we hadn't spent a ton of time at the resort yet, and the kids liked the pool. And we said, hey, kids, what, what if we, it was about 3 o'clock. We said, well, you know what, let's go back to the pool. You guys can just tear it up, swim, we'll have a big night, we'll, we'll eat a good meal at the hotel, and then we're, you know, we're off and home in the morning. And everybody was good with that. So we headed back to the pool, good spirits. Dave and I are drinking margaritas. Wife's got the sangria flowing. Well, my son is obsessed with getting in the little tiny hot tub part of the pool. He wants to get in there, and it's like 90 degrees. And I'm like, buddy, don't do this. Well, he doesn't get in there because he's, he's keenly aware that there's like three adults in this little part of the pool. And he's patiently waiting and patiently waiting and patiently waiting. And, and we were there for hours, so he's, pl- he's playing in the big pool. And then he goes, swims over to where the hot tub is, and the people are still there. People are still there. So finally, they clear out of there, and he's so excited. And he's like, Dad, will you get in the hot tub with me? And I was like, you know what, buddy? You've been, you've been waiting all afternoon. I will. I get up, take my shirt off, stride over to the hot tub, and right as I'm about to dip my foot in the water, the whistle blows. And they're like, everyone out of the pool, someone has shat the pool. <laughs> and that is how our Disney World trip ended. We got our towels on, slumped our shoulders, <laughs> And went back to our hotel room. Wow. But otherwise, everybody made it back. All the kids made it back. Oh, we made it back, and then my little one literally the next day shows up with 103 fever and has not still not been to school. Did they clear all the gators out of that Boy, park? Boy, there's gator after... signs everywhere. And we know why. Okay, so they're... they probably weren't there a couple well, yeah, years yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. No, they weren't. Wasn't there like a Facebook picture of that? Uh, I don't. No, that's not real. If, no, no, not that. That, no, but there was, just, there was that. There was the like, kid and Josh Hamilton tossed a ball down by the <laughs> lagoon, and he walked over to. Well, there's one less, one fewer kid in Nebraska. I can tell you that. <laughs> than there, than there should have been. Oh man, have you ever read? Have you ever read about that story? Like, first off, they didn't have a lot of warning signs. but They have those now. These people had, like, a, it was like a two- or three-year-old, and they were out there, but it was at, like, dusk, like the worst time to be near any type of body of water that an alligator is in. Yes. And their two-year-old is playing, like, right next to... Right next to the water, past there, but it was it was fenced in. You're not supposed to go past the fencing, but they Ooh. did, or at least the kid did. And yeah, the gator got him, and I think the dad like he went jumped at it. and yeah. kind of jumped. He went crocodile. He jumped hunter. in the water initially, and then I don't think he was successful, and I think he just kind of didn't go back in after that, which. Who knows? Am I going headfirst down into the water after the gator? I yes, of course, of course would. I would do that. Then you, yeah, you deliver the Superman punch right to its snout. I was gonna say. I also picture 
rising out of the water with kid in one hand and my other arm is rock bottoming the gator. Delivering the end of days to the gator, yes. That's true. <laughs> hey. So anyway, lots of gator signs. And weird dark Disney things. So yeah, I may have mentioned this when we talked about my trip two years ago, that there was a ride called Mission Space. And there was two versions of it. There was the green version and the orange version. And the orange version was supposed to be the more intense, more simulating what it's like to launch into space. And it messed my wife and I. The kids were fine, but we were super queasy and head spinning afterwards. So we go on this trip and I tell Tommy, I will give you a hundred dollars if you ride the orange mission. Which he didn't do wisely. No, I've got the idea of getting that dizzy and seasick is in no way appealing to me, especially for a hundred dollars. But the that evening we were uh out with the kids at the pool getting drinks at the bar and I heard the bartender telling two people that had just got there you know, a younger couple, no kids. He's like, oh, you know, if you were, you're real thrill seekers, you should go do the orange mission. He's like, it's pretty intense, but it used to be even worse before they closed it down. And I was like, hmm. huh. So Tommy and I do a little Googling, and apparently when they first opened it, like it was opened for not long, they had over 100 people get hospitalized sick, and two people die. <laughs> Whoops. Like heart attacks or something? Yeah. Like, I think one was a heart attack, and I don't remember what the other one was. But we're like, how did we not hear? Like, Disney's PR firm must be really good to keep a lot of this stuff under wraps. Man. Follow the money. Always. But yeah, I was shocked that two people... And then I was thinking, what if I paid Tommy $100, and then he went on there and died? Well, I would want them to stop <laughs> running the ride because that's not what I would have wanted. And I would have want you know what? I would have wanted you guys to go back to the hotel and not swim. Well, that was taken care of. <laughs> yeah, he put in the order. The cabinets are bare and I'm unaware of just how we got into this mess. Got so aggressive. I know we meant all good intentions. So pull me closer.